Welcome to Kankakee Podcast, where we talk about the people and places of Kankakee County. I'm Jake Lamore, and I am always just fascinated and curious about how businesses work. And one of those many businesses is how does a pharmacy operate? What goes into a pharmacy? How do you fill the the prescriptions? Uh, how does it work with insurance? All that stuff. And Back in the day, Kankakee County was home to so many independent pharmacies. We still have independent pharmacies, not as many. One of them happens to be in Mantino, and that is Main Street Pharmacy. And we are joined by Eric Urbanowski of Main Street Pharmacy because we're going to learn not only about Main Street Pharmacy, but we're going to get into the thick of the pharmacy world beyond the the Kankakee County area a little bit. Absolutely, Jake. <laughs> uh, thank you for having me on here. This is a wonderful experience. Thank you so much for being on. You're one of the kindest people I've ever met, and I guess that's why your business, Main Street Pharmacy, goes so well, too. What is the big difference between a a small pharmacy like Main Street versus your like chain pharmacy? Chain pharmacy is one where a lot of the big corporations, they run the pharmacy and there's a lot of overhead costs. So you have a lot of people at a corporate level that are justifying their profits out of a store and they try to maximize the store's amount of volume, sales. And independent pharmacy, we're talking about the community and we try to take care of the community. And that's been the big message since we've opened Main Street in 2018 is really a big focus on Mantino, the community, but also the Kankakee County area, trying to make sure that we're taking care of the public and trying to meet the needs of what people need in this area. So one of the things, you know, when Riverside closed the medical supplies, we weren't planning on carrying a whole lot of medical supplies. I don't know if you had been in the store when we first opened it, but it started as the little garage. It did. Yeah. Started, I was in there. Yeah. When it was, and it was a garage, small yeah. town, a small little thing, but it allowed us that little building gave us the, a chance to get our footprint into the community. And then in 2020, we were able to double the size of the store. And, you know, when Riverside closed their medical equipment store, there was a big need in this area because there was no medical supply place other than like a couple places that kind of, they didn't have any floor or showroom. They just had stuff that they would deliver to the house. You know, we knew that people sometimes when you're looking at a walker or a wheelchair or bathroom equipment, you kind of want to see the product in front of you and see, hey, will this work in my house? So, you know, we kind of looked at analyzing, hey, what do people need? You know, Clark and I ran out to Riverside before they closed just to kind of get a hey idea of what did they carry? What 
compression garments, things of that nature that, hey, people in this area are going to need. And we wanted to be able to be an asset to the community to say, hey, we have what you need here locally. You don't have to go up to Chicago, Joliet to get those items. There's not many other places. And lift chairs, that's another thing. Absolutely. You still have the lift chairs, too, that are on display. Correct. So, And going back to your original question, so chain yeah. pharmacies are really looking at how much money can we make out of there. You know, that's their ultimate goal is how much money can we make for our shareholders. Here, I'm trying to dial into the community. I live in Kankakee County. I work in Kankakee. Hey, what, what do we need in this area as a healthcare worker? You know, it's kind of balancing. And what I enjoy about independent pharmacy is it's a lot more patient-centered. What does this patient need? What, and if I can't get it from my normal avenues, where can I get this from? So I've opened up relationships with different vendors. I actually have one in the store now. That's why I was a little bit later today. That's setting up a whole new brace display. So oh, we cool. set up the... One thing with our pharmacy layout, we didn't have a lot of places to hang things. We didn't have pegboard with the shelving that we used. So we got some slat wall installed Friday, and he's coming to set all the braces, you know, a wide selection of athletic braces from ankle braces, knee braces, and he's setting that today. So I wanted to make sure we met up real quick and knew what how I wanted it laid out. I guess maybe I got a little bit ahead of myself because I think it's important to know. I mean, you did mention, obviously, you live here in Kankakee County. You've been, you're, you and your family have been here since, what, the early 2000s, Yeah, right? 2005, right after I graduated from pharmacy school. We bought the first, t- our house in Mantino and have lived there ever since. And you were at, what, Walmart? Yeah, I, so when I, I started at an independent pharmacy when I was 16, working as a technician. So Johnson's Pharmacy in Homewood, Illinois. And the owner there had three locations. So he had one in Mount Greenwood, one in Hickory Hills. So I started in 96, worked there through pharmacy school in 2005, worked for him for about a month or two after graduating, but his pharmacy was downsizing pharmacies. He did more medical equipment than pharmacy. So it's a medical equipment store with a pharmacy in it. And he wasn't getting enough uh, sales to really justify keeping pharmacies open. So I went to Target for about six months through 2005. And then I reached out, Docs reached out to me while I was at Target. So Docs Drugs, 2006, January 1st is when I took over, or started working in Docs Drugs. In Mantino? Yep, I took over. I kind of floated around at first. They were initially kind of looking at maybe being a pharmacy manager of a Beecher location, because with an independent pharmacy, I hadn't worked a lot of high volume, and Mantino was their second highest prescription volume store. Yeah. And within the first week, we changed the plan of there was a couple things that got thrown out. We had a pharmacist that was out sick trying to cover. So two days after training, I was working by myself on the counter a night shift. And oh, I guess the staff gosh. said I did pretty well. So <laughs> Friday met with the uh, director of pharmacy operations and he says, we've changed our mind. Richard's going to be retiring in June sometime this summer. We want you to take over Mantino. Wow. So from I ran that store for eight years in Mantino. The last year I ran Moments because we had a little bit of uh, issue in they did unit dose packaging for Good Shepherd and a couple other homes. And the pharmacist left there abruptly, so I had to kind of Fill pick up the gap. ball. Yep. Yeah. And what, Doc's Drugs had 16 locations? At the right? most, they had 17 at one point when they had Manhattan. When they closed or sold to CVS, I think they were down to 14 or 15. So I left there in 2015, went to Walmart and ran the Kankakee location for three years. That's where Walmart comes in. Yes. I didn't realize that's where you went after Docs. Yep. Okay. And I had a little bit of, you know, I kind of saw some writing on the walls 
again, it was another place where there were a lot of overhead and you could see a lot of people working at a corporate office. Yeah. How did you get that, a little top heavy? Yeah. How did that go from God, that must have been a, a night and day experience going from Docs, who is a that was an independent chain, right? Correct. So you go from that then going to this huge one of the biggest pharma, chain pharmacies in the country, right? I, I don't know where Walmart stands on the... Basically, it's, you know, with all the consolidation down, you have the three big chains are Walgreens, CVS, and Rite Aid. And I even think some of Rite Aid is intertwined with Walgreens now. Cause I, I think, think there's so a too. co-op in there. So yeah. Walmart would fall in then right behind them as the biggest... Ma- it's a mass merchandiser along with the, with pharmacy. the pharmacy. So it was a, it was a challenge because... Again, taking my core values of taking care of a patient and realizing that it's important to have sales, but you also realize that this prescription I'm filling is specifically for a patient. This is for Jake Lamore, not just another number that you're filling. And when I took over the Kankakee store, it was it's tough trying to convert some of the thinking. You know, these people, a lot of them came from the floor and worked on the sales floor at Walmart and trying to say, hey, you know, here we're trying to take care of a person. This is Mr. Jones. This is Jake. We're trying to take care of him. He needs us to take this extra time to call the insurance company. And, you know, for a few months, it took time to kind of change the culture of the pharmacy. But we did, and we actually were really growing. We had actually outperformed a Bourbon A location for a while, which was good because Bourbon A was always one of their biggest pharmacy there. You Absolutely. Know, that store volume-wise was amazing. And it's just trying to get in there and change that culture. And I did a good job with it, but then... Halfway through my run there, Doc sold out to CVS, and I'd be out. It was funny. I had a couple people stop me when I'm out mowing my yard, and say, hey, I have Blue Cross, and now literally I've got my prescription filled Friday, went to get another one on Wednesday, and now I don't know where to go, and I can't. And a lot of business was chased outside of Mantino, and Mantino with a town of 10,000 people. I'm sitting there thinking to myself, knowing from when I ran man, Doc's and Mantino, 40% of the prescriptions some months were Blue Cross. So now we're chasing this part because CVS didn't have a contract with them. You know, I couldn't see chasing that much of it out of the town. So, you know, it's one of those where I know the community had a need. So it kind of planted the seeds then. And there's that self-doubt. Do I have what it takes to run this myself? And looked at locations a couple times. I had went around with uh, Chris LaRock, the village administrator, looked at buildings. And one of the other pharmacists I had worked with at Docs, he took over his uncle's store in Lombard. And there was somebody who had bought out Craig when Craig was ready to retire. And... Clark was running it, and he says, we got to do something in Mantino, man. You know, Clark's one of my best friends in the world. Nice guy. We're kind of along the same wavelength here on how pharmacy should operate. Yeah, especially since Mantino was so used to Doc's drugs. Correct. And it's so a, used to it. And, and before that, obviously, even before Doc's drugs, there were other independent pharmacies. Absolutely. Hilsenhoff was a big Do, one. Was Doc, did Doc's buy Hilsenhoff? Is that how that worked? When Hilsenhoff wants to retire, because it was two brothers that ran it. There was one in Piatone and there was one in Mantino. And when they were ready to retire, there was an agreement on the table that they would absorb the business, purchase the business, and keep that high level of customer service. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that was a little bit before my time. <laughs> right. So I, I couldn't quite remember who was the predecessor to Docs. But yeah. still, you've got all these residents that are used to that 
small town pharmacy feel. And so Clark moves away and he's keeping that in the back of his mind because you two are still friends. You're still Absolutely, yeah. We got together every uh, 3rd of July when Mantino would have the fireworks. So you eventually came to the conclusion. He's like, hey, this pharmacy that I've got up north, it's going really well and we'd like to open something in Mantino or? Yeah, you know, we had discussed it and what they did is they... Our business partner behind has bought and sold like 14 or 15 different pharmacies. He's got a really good business acumen. So pharmacies that were struggling, he kind of walk them through, do the purchase, either close it or liquidate it for the assets. And they had one in Downers Grove that they were not planning on selling. They put in a lot of effort into remodeling the store because it was antiquated. They made quite an investment, but they weren't getting a huge return on the investment within a year. So that's when it became, hey, you know, we've got the license. We could move the pharmacy rather than open a new one, which allows us to do insurance contracts day one because we still would have the same billing information. And we had planted that in 2017. We had the initial discussions and we really got hot to trot towards the end of 2017 where we actually were looking around at buildings and trying to find something. And that's the one thing about Mantino, especially in the downtown area, it's a thriving area there. Mayor Nugent has done a great job at keeping the business vital there, is that there's not a whole lot of open space in it's Mantino. Amazing. Right. When we were looking at first, you know, the building that the Carlisle Group is was, uh, I can't remember who. It was a plumbing. It was uh, like he, HVAC. Because when we went in there, because it was really, you know, the HVAC was really nice and it had a footprint, but there were apartments above. And I'm like, I don't know if the DA would really be comfortable with people living above a pharmacy if there's missing. Back it, in the day, that'd be okay. But right. Nowadays, it's hard to say. It is hard to say. Yeah. And there wasn't really a parking area there. So, you know, we were trying to fit square peg round hole. We looked at, there were a couple spaces in, um, I believe on 50 there by Mayberry Junction, one of the stores, it was a small storefront open for lease. And we looked at property that we would have to build, but building on Route 50, you're talking almost $800,000 initial investment. So it would be a long time before you could recoup that. So we were kind of looking at everything. And I guess a day after we went through, it was a November day. I remember just sitting out there in the cold when we were looking, because basically it was the building where Carlisle wound up there on Main Street and Division. And, you know, we were just looking at it going, thinking it's snowing there as we're sitting there in the park looking at it going, you know, I just don't see a little old woman with a walker being able to walk across Main Street and have this be viable. And we just don't have that parking there. So it wasn't going to work. So after I went home, kind of bummed out, going, God, you know, I just can't find something that I really like that fits right. And Bill went out to uh, dinner with our real estate agent and Tim Nugent. And it was Mayor Nugent that made the comment to the real estate agent, Greg, that's your building that you're just using as your man cave. Why you got parking there? Why don't you just use that building? And hey, you're just using that as your man cave. Why? Yeah, why not? So the building was not even on the market, and it was one of those where it had parking on the side. Yeah, we had Street Avenue. It still wasn't. Re- it was an old detailing garage. I remember that. But, you know, it's one of those where, hey, if we cleaned it up a little bit, and that's what I did, spent the whole summer of 2018. I gave my notice to Walmart at the end of May. So mid-June, I was 
free. So it was going in and cleaning windows, working with the vendors, getting an alarm system put in, getting heating and air put in there because at that point there was only one little air conditioner that was a little wall unit. So working with the vendors, getting it the building ready, and we went live. We notified the state in June that we had the intention of moving the pharmacy. From Downers Grove. To Downers Grove to there. So, And it's yeah. kind of odd to coordinate that because it was they have different pharmacy investigators and inspectors for different, different areas. regions, right? Yeah. So we had to coordinate with the region up there for Downers Grove and then Mantino. So literally it all happened. We were waiting for the state to kind of approve everything. And literally it drawled flipped within about a week's time. We were told we're going to be in Downers Grove on Thursday, the 28th, do the inspection there, the closing inspection. For Clark and I had to be in Mantino on Friday for the inspector to come in at our region to inspect the property, make sure everything was there. And then we went live the following Tuesday because Labor Day holiday was there. So Saturday or Friday was the last official day of business at Downers Grove. Saturday, we went up, brought the drugs down, set up the pharmacy, set up all the computer system, the phone system, and went live September 4th of 2018. And the rest is history there. Almost, well, it's been four years. Yep. Yeah. So a little over four years. A little over four years now. And I feel like this maybe is a good time to talk about going to a chain pharmacy versus going to Main Street. So let's talk about like the just the big the big, big differences. differences. Yeah, the big differences. Well, let's differences. talk about today because you know okay. today right now there are a lot of operational problems in pharmacy in chain pharmacy. Chain pharmacy, a lot of the pharmacists and technicians are overworked and they're short on help. They don't have the help that's there and there's a lot it's not that there's a shortage of pharmacists per se. There's a lot of people who just don't want to work under those conditions. There's many times you're working 12-hour shifts, and the state actually had to come in a couple of years ago and mandate that pharmacists get breaks and lunches. They would schedule 12-hour shifts, and there's no time to allot. You I mean, there were many a times, even in independent pharmacy, you know, I would inhale a Subway sandwich at Doc's in five minutes because that was the only time you had when you're the only pharmacist on the board. So especially when we started providing immunization services in pharmacy. So you're talking about giving vaccinations, checking prescriptions, counseling on every prescription. That's a lot of time constraint. And when you don't even get a break, bathroom break or things of that nature, because you come go to the bathroom and you come back and there's three people waiting for you and it just kind of snowballs from there. Yeah, that's a lot of work. So, so there's a lot of people who kind of said, I don't want to go and work in those conditions anymore. So there's a lot of people who are going into other avenues of pharmacy, whether hospital, clinical, consulting with PBMs, that today's day and age, it's horrible sometimes the level of service you get at a chain store. There are people saying they wait in line 45 minutes just to pick up their prescriptions. Yeah. And why is that? It's just because lack there's, of staff there's right just now. lack of staff and Usually, that's why you're waiting. It is. And a lot of it is the reimbursements. Also, the pharmacy get cut down. The PBMs that manage. PBMs are one thing that I don't think the general public really knows about. Yeah. What is a PBM? So it's a pharmacy benefit manager. So there are three big ones in the country. And what they do is they negotiate the prices between the manufacturer and the pharmacy. They're employed by the insurance companies. And they're actually owned by the insurance companies in a lot of the cases. And it's a way of just kind of meddling the water. You never really know exactly what price was negotiated. And they basically are in between because back in the day, 2000, 
early 2000s, when people did not have insurance benefits, you know, if the drug costs me $100, you come to the pharmacy, it's $125. People didn't want to start paying over $125. That's a lot of money to come up with, especially back in the day. So that's where the PBM said, hey, you know, if you pay us for the benefit, we can give you a $10 copay. They'll pay the pharmacy the $110. They'll collect $10. Then from the patient, you'd get 120. So you'd lose a little bit of your reimbursement, but you were getting the money rather than opening a house account or waiting for somebody to be able to afford that medication. So, you know, they kind of saw that avenue. And originally it started more as a computer switching program. They would have the prices, you'd negotiate it. We transmit the computer to another computer. They would send back what the payment is. And it was a pretty simple process, and they would collect ten cents from the pharmacy, fifteen cents, whatever a computer switching fee would be, and negotiating difference. Well, then some of these big corporate people said, "Well, why are we paying them this?" They decided, "Hey, we can charge more Medicaid money for these fee services, and nobody needs to know what." There's a lot of laws that protect them in their business, so you don't know what price they've negotiated with the manufacturer. So that's when you used to see drug reps coming to the doctor's office and the pharmacies. Okay. Well, now they Does use- Does that not happen anymore? Not very much at okay. all. We get a few at an independent pharmacy, but at Walmart, we weren't allowed to because they consider that steering. So yeah, like if they gave me a coupon, or I couldn't use sure. it. Sure. Like, hey, uh, let's take you on this big extravagant vacation right. and then you'll buy, you know, how many units of my drug? Correct. And they did that a lot with the doctors, but the pharmacy Yes. It was like notifying them, hey, we have this product so that if somebody were to call and say, hey, what drug can we give Jake for diabetes that would be best? They would want, hey, yeah, that's right. The rep just came in for Jardians and that's the best drug. That, that would be a Pharmacy was a smaller end. We would get pens. We would get little papers that you would have around and you would see it in the pharmacy. They were just trying to get name notarized. Then they'd allow the DTC direct to consumer advertising. So you're seeing a lot of ads on the paper now. And then the other thing they do is they take the reps to talk to the insurance companies. Hey, there's a pricing model that you don't know a lot of times what you're paying for medication. So you, you know, we pay $500 for a drug, but they may have negotiated where they'll give a rebate to the insurance company that, hey, to get on formulary, we'll give it to you for 400. But then the PBM started pocketing that $100 difference instead of passing on to the employers, or they'll give them a smaller portion. And then all of a sudden, now you have PBMs that are in the billion-dollar corporation that are on the Forbes top 15 revenue-generating businesses. So you went from a little computer that's doing $0.10 a claim to now $17 billion in profits. It's just grown since they started doing that in like the 2000s. Correct. Or, so there this... used to be a lot of different companies. Now you have three big PBMs that operate 85% of the market. I'm trying to hope that the FTC is watching out for this, saying, you know, something here, this is starting to sound like a monopoly to me. Yeah, it sounds very much <laughs> like a monopoly. So how is it different at Main Street then? What do you do to combat you know, I, we bring back the small town service. You know, the first thing I knew when CVS took over Docs, they cut out all the deliveries. And we did deliveries to homes because Mantino does have a big senior population. So there right. are patients that can't get out in the snow. There are people that are homebound that can't drive. How do they get their medications? They want to have the personal pharmacist experience. They don't want to order through the mail. Sometimes those operations are tough to you're trying to punch in a 20-digit number and work off your phone and push these in. They're not 
technologically savvy, some of them. So they just want to be able to call in and say, can I have my amlodipine delivered? Yep, we'll get it out this afternoon. So first thing we did, free delivery. That was an easy, low-hanging fruit. We do free delivery. We deliver every day, Monday through Saturday. We have that small town service. So let's say, Jake, they put you on a medication and you have $150 copay. We will look with that brand name and try to find you a coupon, sign you up for a coupon to lower the copay. You know, many times we save patients considerable amount of money. So what would happen, though, if I just went to a chain pharmacy and they're just what? They're going to run it through my insurance, insurance and then it is when it is? Correct. I mean, they're not going to take the time to... what if I, I don't think they have the time right now yeah. because they're so shorthanded. They're trying to run through this line of 25 people that are there waiting to pick up. Mm-hmm. They adjudicate the claim. They fill the prescription. Jake, it's $500. Yeah. But if I tell you, hey, Eric, I can't afford $500 then what are you going to do? I will say, Jake, let me look at this and see if it, and if it's one of the common medications, you know, we know what has a coupon, what doesn't. We look at, I try to watch every prescription that I'm checking. What is the patient paying? Where are we at? See the window. What are we paying for the prescription? Which that's a big difference in a chain store. A lot of the pharmacists there, they don't know what they're paying for that medication. They have their own warehouse. Me, I buy all those drugs. So I know what I'm paying. And if it's something that's off with our primary wholesaler, I can go to one of our secondaries and say, hey, what is the price for this? And try to get the lowest cost for us so that I can pass along the lowest price to my because customers. Because a pharmacist at the chain store is not the one that purchases the drugs. Correct. They just fill it out. You got and it. And that's it. They just want you to be a part of a cog there. And mm-hmm. overall, not to get off topic a little bit, but healthcare is that way right now. We talk about the great worker shortage. And, you know, a lot of them said, oh, it's because we have a nursing shortage right now because nurses didn't want to get vaccinated against COVID, so they left the profession or they went to an employer that didn't need to. There may be a small part of that, but I think the greater part of this is talking about corporate medication. When you talk corporations running, we talked about pharmacies. They're trying to purchase doctor because now it's there's very few independent physicians around. They're almost they're all usually, part of a group. They're all part of a group. And yeah, that's been something that's been pushed. And the hospitals are run by CEOs, not physicians anymore. A lot of it is corporate and they try to do these big corporate entities. So when you're going to look at, hey, what do I want to do with my life? You know, high school seniors right now are looking at it and they go, you know, I I want to try to help people. And that's where healthcare workers are. We are a special group. People generally, a lot of times you ask them, why did you get into nursing, pharmacy, physician? Why did you go into this? I wanted to help people. I, I want to make people live a higher quality of life. That's Problem always is, the first thing that you say. got it. And right now we're looking at people that are being run by corporations. You know, you're checking all these boxes of, did we ask Jake if he was a smoker? Did we ask him if he was safe in his house? You know, you're doing corporate medicine, you're checking boxes. That's not what we wanted to do. And I think a lot of people are realizing the pay is there. If I'm just going to go work for a company, I'm going to take a place like Amazon where I'm going to go make $25 an hour to go work in their warehouse with no responsibility above this because there is a lot of responsibility to taking care of people. And that's a huge undertaking. And if you're not, you feel like you're just working for, hey, I got to do whatever email comes down from corporate. I have to do this. I have to do that. And a lot of times they're looking at what do they make the most money on, not what's the best treatment for Jake. And that gets a little more frustrating. And I saw it myself at Walmart. It's one of those where 
I understand we make more money on this, but if that's not what the most appropriate therapy is, I'm going to say what I'm going to say. And I got, I got in a little bit of trouble with that. So can you give an, an example of that? A lot of times they will say, hey, this is our special item we're pushing is, I can't remember even what item it was. It was a vitamin or something. Okay. And I'm like, okay, it's good for certain people, but I think it was kava kava. It's very hard on the liver. And if you see people on other medications, you this isn't really what we should be pushing. But there would be certain times that, hey, this is what we want to increase sales. And they're measuring sales. Even docs did it for a while. They would measure sales of certain items that were their doc special items. And, hey, I'm more than willing if the patient's appropriate. Hey, I have this option. Like we have a special fish oil that I actually met when I was at one of our Cardinal RBC shows in 2013 in Seattle and had lunch with the guy who actually made the product. And he actually was the one who came out with the prescription version of Lovaza, which is a fish oil that has been really shown to lower your triglycerides, improve your cholesterol numbers. And he talked about how he wanted to perfect it a little bit more, but the drug company that he had signed with really wanted to rush it and get it on the market before. So he waited till his non-compete was done, let them do their thing. And he developed this product and it's over the counter that you can get. So when somebody really has high levels of triglycerides and problems, we have this item, it's behind the counter, but it's called Ocean Blue. You get a lot better results with this. So is it something that's right for everybody? No. But when you have so that target group, that's that special item where you- And it's just about pumping that sale. Correct. And selling as many as you possibly can to that target age group regardless of their body makeup because obviously everyone's body is different correct and that's mine is if everybody was the same then everything could be from a textbook you could go learn that textbook in college and this job's easy problem is everybody's different so my goal in a pharmacy is to try to have as many different items there or at least have access to those items that i can get what that patient specific need is and work with the prescriber the patient, and then the pharmacy and do it as the triangle where, hey, we can help get what that patient needs. If that patient needs a specialty wheelchair, okay, give me what you want on it and I will find a vendor and I will get it for that patient. Can you give me some examples of people that have come into your pharmacy with, say, high uh, costs and prescriptions? High costs and prescriptions, yeah. And Again, we talked about this a little bit off the air. But yeah, we did. We what The big thing is a lot of times people think when you pay for insurance that the insurance company is actually out to get the best price for the patient. I and mean, that's the idea, right? That's why you have the it insurance. It was the idea. And now we've gotten into, remember, the insurance companies are a corporation that they are responsible to their shareholders. So they're trying to turn a profit more so than what's best for the patient. So- there are examples where there's an antidepressant called Lexapro that has a generic out. Patient came, transferred a prescription from CVS, and we're in-network but not preferred. So CVS was charging them $121 for a 90-day supply of this medication. They brought it to me, and it was $141 through their insurance. However, so what we did is we looked at it, and the drug was far cheaper. Our cash price on the same 90 days was $13.46. We looked at that and that's what the patient wound up paying. So we're actually not utilizing the insurance company because we can offer a 
cheaper price up front. And how, but how can you do that though? How can you offer that? That's what I want to know. How are you making money on thir- you know, versus what you said, 141 or something like yeah. that versus $13 and some odd cents. I mean, how are and you the, making money? When, especially on when you're talking a Medicare plan, they have Medicare actually has a program where you have to pay to play. So it's called a DIR fee. So and if you're thinking, hey, the pharmacy is going to make $141 on that prescription and it only costs $5, they were making all this money in between. That's not always true either because the PBM will come back retrospectively and pull a certain fee based off of some of them are off of your acquisition costs. Some of them are off of the phony cost that's in the background and they take a large portion. So they could be taking $100 of that back and all the pharmacy's doing is taking it from Jake and giving it to the insurance company as a fee, as a pay to play. So what we do is, you know, a lot of times my technicians would come to me, hey, Eric, what would be our cash price for this drug? And I would look at what the acquisition was. So I spent a lot of time looking at what cost plus would be. And so we look at it and it's part of our buying program. And we look at it and we go, hey, what would be a cost of filling a prescription where we could comfortably make money? Aren't gouging patients and in between. So I spent a lot of time taking our cost plus a fee. And we advertise that as our price for the patient. So you don't get in trouble with insurance companies for doing that or, or drug how does that work with your drug vendors that you the drug work vendors with? really don't mind you know okay. they're all about they want to sell as many prescriptions as possible too so, so they're they don't they don't necessarily care they're like well we're selling this regardless so i mean we're still making our money correct right the ones that lose are the insurance companies because they're not getting any fee for that prescription but they're looking at the big ticket items where they can pull big fees on and they're not looking out for the patient, which is re- extremely frustrating. That's why we have that separate buying group, that price model where you join and save that money. Going back to you talking about going through your insurance or not going through your insurance for prescription medication, figuring out which one is going to save you more money. Would you not be able to do that at a chain pharmacy? You I mean, can, but a lot of times they use the inflated cost to try to maximize what they can get from insurance companies. So that's their goal is to try to look at it. They were, that's why discount cards, you know, I don't, in the mail, I'm sure you've gotten some of these things from GoodRx or these other pharmacy discount cards. Why do they exist? Because it's a broken system. Because we're looking at these high cost to try to maximize getting as much money out of the insurance companies as possible. And up till 2020, we weren't allowed to tell patients. There was a gag clause where if I told the pay, told you that, Jake, it's $13 for this prescription, not the $140 if we do it without your insurance, we were actually violating there. We could be terminated from the contract. Wow. Yeah. So wow. it's one of those where you talk about, okay, is this system really patient-centered or is, is it this ethical? somewhere else? Correct. Is it ethical? Right. Wow. And you're right. You're talking to someone, especially nowadays, who's got the money for for that? Whether you're on a, a senior citizen on a fixed income or you're 30 years old and have two or three kids. And again, another reason why we have a healthcare worker shortage is why are we trying just to maximize doing something to somebody? Look at COVID, what happened to hospitals. A lot of hospitals were on the brink of financial ruins because people, you would think, hey, there's more people with COVID. There's more people being taken care of. It shows how much you're not getting the elective surgeries. And that is what makes the hospital more 
viably profitable based off the sales that they get from that. Mm -hmm. What's something else that something else that we can educate uh, residents of Kankakee County about prescription medication and just healthcare from the standpoint that you see? What are what are the, some other things that you can help people with? The biggest thing I'm gonna try to the message I try to get about to my customers, my patients is saying, be your own advocate right now. Don't trust that the insurance company is going to take care of you and put you into the most beneficial. Talk to your doctor. Communicate. The biggest thing is if you can't afford that medication, I don't want it just sitting there on my shelf and being returned to stock in 10 days. Hey, why didn't you get that prescription filled? If it is too expensive, let me know because maybe it is finding another alternative. Maybe it is finding something there. We don't want to let a disease state go untreated. We don't want to you to come into the hospital with a diabetic coma because you can't afford the medication, so you just didn't take it. Letting the doctor know. Talk to your doctor. Be up front with us. Let us know. We're here to help you. That's the biggest message. You know, people try to think, you know, insurance companies are out for what's the best course of treatment. And there are certain medications that are better than others, but we also have to tailor the treatment to the patient. We got to make sure that's there. Be your own advocate. Look into things. You know, if the doctor says this surgery is the only way around it and it's not an emergent, let's see, is there other ways to treat this? Talk to people. Talk to, uh, get a second opinion. Sometimes there are people that are not looking out for your best interest. You've got to be looking out for your own best interest. Absolutely. I would be fascinated to know, though, going through pharmacy school, what what does that entail? Oh, it's a lar <laughs> long, arduous process, and I didn't do it the easiest way. So, yeah, I had my oldest child was born my first year of pharmacy school. So many, many late nights studying. I think I lived off of four hours of sleep for four years of my life. So you, you do two years of undergrad if you can get all the classes in. Now, when I started... I had to do it in three because they there were even more prerequisites required. So I started in 98, started at UIC, did three years of undergrad, then went and then you apply for pharmacy school, got accepted at Midwestern University. Great school. I always thought I was going to UIC because that was the coup de grace. That was the That's best the one crown, in the state. That's the crown jewel. Yeah. There, there were two. Back at that time, there was Midwestern and UIC, and that was the only pharmacy schools in, in the state, state. Okay. now we're up to seven. So, you know, the shortage when Walgreens was going up on every count, corner, CVS was going to go up across the street and try to get as much business as, pos as possible. The, now we just don't have that demand. You know, the chains are not opening a lot of stores. No, not like they were. No, they're trying to acquire as much and then just keep as much as they can. But UIC, it's a big school. There were a lot of classes that were 400 people in my undergrad. You know, I just didn't get that warm feeling and wanted to make sure I was going to get into which pharmacy school. So I took my PCAT, uh, which now I guess is going away. It's kind of like the MCAT version of pharmacy entrance exams. I just saw a note uh, a couple weeks ago on LinkedIn that said they are doing away with the PCAT starting this year. Interesting. So it's it's really a changeover, but you know, what you, are they going to do instead? They're, they're just going to look at academic performance, and basically, we do interviews when you go to the school. They want to make sure you're able to communicate, and they get a good picture of how you are academically, and see if you would make a good fit for the school. 
So yeah, I went to UIC, did their interview. I did Purdue, and then I also did uh, Midwestern. And Midwestern, when I went there, it was amazing. You know, the dean was part of the group. We did a small group session, and she knew you by name, who was coming in. You know, whereas UIC, it's kind of like, oh, who are you? Which number are you? You know, yeah. chain versus independent. <laughs> there and back to that. Right yeah. away, I'm looking at it going, I know it's more money, but it really, really is hitting that home where this is someplace I can picture myself being. And it sounds like it's a, you uh, went through school at a good time, maybe where there wasn't as much corporate influence. There were. I mean, there, weekly okay, we was, were having yeah. Walgreens come and give us uh, lunches and buying Pizza Hut for all the students to listen okay. to their spiel. So yeah. I guess that was still There was still on. in there, yeah. but that was in the heyday of, hey, there was such a shortage. That was when they were built. Building those pharmacies. I mean, when the I came 2000s out, the 2000s was riddled with Walgreens being built it. everywhere and CVS and yeah. Osco and yes. Walmart. You know, that was when Walmart really expanded into the pharmacy. You know, Walmart, Kmart, they used to have a pharmacy in there to try to get the sales, but that's when they started to drive people to the pharmacies and invest some money into that service. And yeah, it was a whole different, I mean, when I graduated in 05, if I wanted to relocate to certain areas, Walgreens was paying offering $35,000 sign-on bonus and wow. relocation fees in some of their high-need areas. I remember Arizona off the top of my head and Tennessee, some of the these areas that may Where have a lot of elderly people. A lot of elderly people, a lot of demand. Yeah, Main Street Pharmacy people uh, can go to, to Mantino. You obviously don't have to be a resident of Mantino to be there, especially since you deliver throughout the whole county, right? Correct. Free delivery throughout the whole county. Yeah. Our, and even up to, I think, Beecher, too. Yeah, right? you, so we you, have a few in Beecher, Moni, Piatone, Moments. What we try to do is it's tough to have a physical location in each town. So we try to... Just have a radius. You got it. We yeah. actually hired on a delivery person about a month and a half That's ago. That's right. I saw so, that. So, you know... Pretty much that's going so we have that afternoon. So let's say you're not feeling well here in Kankakee, Jake. I'm mm-hmm. sick. I've got a sinus infection. I can't I don't really want to drive to Mantino. Have the doctor call it in. Hey Eric, I want it delivered that afternoon. Ronnie will be out with the delivery. Perfect. YourMainStreetPharmacy.com. We'll make sure there's a link in the uh, show notes section of this episode, too, that you can click on uh, Facebook as well. Just search for Main Street Pharmacy Mantino. Yeah, right? Main Street Pharmacy Mantino. Tino. Little so. did we know when we named it Main Street Pharmacy that it's the most popular <laughs> pharmacy name in the entire country. Every small town has, has a, Main a Main Street, Street Pharmacy. <laughs> yeah. And you might be wondering, well, your address doesn't say Main Street. Well, if you know Mantino or you don't know Mantino, uh, First Street, where you are located, is literally right off Main yeah, Street. Yeah, basically right we're there. on First and Main. Yeah. So that's that's why Main Street is is there. So are the part of the reason the name is there. Don't think you're locked into going to those big chain pharmacies. You know, if there's something there and you think you're paying too much, there's a problem. Just let us, you know, hey, and we'll be upfront with you. If there's something that we can't help you with, we'll tell you that. But if there's something there that, hey, you know, we can find you a coupon for this. Hey, if we can save you some money doing it outside the insurance, we'll let you know what all your options are. And then it's something where we can work with that prescriber, patient, pharmacy, triangle. You know, Mark Cuban was another one that's been popular in there with the cost plus pharmacy. The one thing he's missing the boat a little bit on, I think, is that triangle relationship, patient, provider. He's using a mail service to fulfill those orders. 
that is owned by 50% by OptumRx. So, you know, you're still in that same avenue. If you want to be a disruptor and, you know, not even a disruptor, if you want to change, you see something that's wrong and you want to change it, go with it. You know, that's one thing I think overall in society, we have a lot of corporations that are telling us what they think, what to do. Use your mind. Try to change. If you want to change the world, you can. If you see those avenues, that's where small businesses, that's where we can do this. Well, thank you for all you do for the community, Eric. I really appreciate that. And I know my family and I have always been satisfied going to Main Street, always very friendly. If it's a new medication, you're always there to tell me about it. So that's uh, what I really appreciate. You always take that time out to give me the heads up. Oh, yeah, to teach you how to do the medication properly. We want to get the most bang for your buck out of that medication. All right. Well, thank you again, Eric. You're very welcome, Jake. It's been a pleasure. (laughs) That concludes this episode of Kankakee Podcast. I'm Jake Lamore. Thank you so much for listening. Also, a special thank you to our patrons for helping make this episode possible, including Karen Bishop, Jake Lee, Jesse Arsenal, Dave Barron, Daryl Damper, Samantha Rocknowski, Lake Iverson, Travis Garcia, Jane Bostwick, Don Harrison, Simon Topless, Scott Wright, Carrie O'Connell, Jamie Race, Joanne Barry, Anthony Vicelli, Eric Olson, Carl Earps, Jeff and Rosa Carroll, Teague Dreenan, Sandy and Steve Twait, and Rose Lucky. Now, to become a podcast patron, go to kankakeepodcast.com, click on the patron tab, and if you pledge $5 or more per month, you'll also hear your name announced on an episode. There's also other rewards like early access to new episodes or extended versions of episodes, uh, discounts on upcoming special events if we have any. Currently, we don't, but there's other uh, rewards Uh, included monthly. So your monthly pledge is truly appreciated. Our goal right now is to reach $400 per month. And right now we're about halfway from reaching that goal. So please sign up for the patron program today at kankakeepodcast.com. Our theme song is written and performed by Lupe Carroll and recorded by Daniel Bishop. This river can